Welcome to the Culture and Sports Podcast, where we have discussions about how leadership and organizational culture impact organizational success, team and athlete performance, and the short and long-term mental, physical, and emotional health of athletes. The Culture and Sports Podcast is brought to you by Culture and Sports. Culture and Sports helps sports organizations, teams, coaches, support and front office staff, and athletes understand the importance of leadership and organizational culture and its direct impact to success. I'm Dr. Jeremy Piasecki, and this is the Culture and Sports Podcast. I'd like to introduce you to Elliot Markinson. He is a Team USA bobsled, bobsled athlete. He's a Mississippi native and former Division I SEC football player for the University of Mississippi. He has a BS in marketing and communications, and along with being a bobsled athlete competing on the international stage, he's also spent time living overseas in China and working as a coach. As a speaker, thought leader, and sport envoy in the sports diplomacy field, he is passionate about the world of sport diplomacy and the role it plays in diplomatic relations in other countries. You have quite an impressive resume. How are you doing today? Uh, Good. Thank you for thank you for having me. It's definitely been a, it's been a crazy journey thus far for I guess a kid from Mississippi, which is kind of where everyone starts with. That you know the the funny thing is is people say you're you do a winter sport, but you're from a state that doesn't get any snow or ice. So yeah, it's it's been a journey. So so since you're talking about journeys, tell us a little bit about your sports journey. Yeah, so I, I think it starts early on. My dad is a college football coach. Uh, my mother is a teacher, so I came from a family of teachers and coaches. Uh, ever since I was a little kid, I, I grew up on the sidelines of the SEC football team. Uh, my dad coached at the University of Arkansas until I was in eighth grade, and then he uh, moved on and coached at Ole Miss until I was like a junior in high school, uh, and then on to some other schools and, and professional teams. So at a very, very early age, I was exposed to high level athletics and being around uh, incredibly positive uh, leaders and mentors and coaches, uh, which was very impactful to me as a young man or as a kid and then growing up into a young man uh, where I played college football at Ole Miss uh, after my, my high school career uh, for five years. I was a walk on and I, uh, you know, I, I tell people nowadays, you know, I wouldn't trade that for anything, it, it taught me a lot about life and, and, and fortitude and handling adversity. Um, after which I graduated, I, uh, I immediately uh, bought a plane ticket and I, I moved on over to China where I was an English teacher and a, and a uh, football coach. And the rationale behind that was I wanted to see the world outside of uh, football, which was up until that point, everything I knew, uh, which was great because doing that allowed me to be exposed to different people and cultures that I would have never had the opportunity to be exposed to while I was living in Mississippi. Right. Um, which led me to my career now in sport diplomacy and uh, where we use sports as a way to, to bring nations together. Uh, we call it a soft, uh, soft diplomatic uh, outreach, I guess as you would say. And so it's, you know, I, I always tell people there's two things that bring people to the table and that's food and sports. So um, it's kind of the motto I live by, and, and it's 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 really great work, and I'm I'm blessed to be a part of this this field. And then which and how, uh, sorry, God. <laughs> yeah, and then so let me let me backtrack. So I got home from China uh, pre-COVID, and uh, a friend, a strength coach, 
friend of mine had reached out to me and he said, Hey, I don't know um, where you're at, where you're at with your athletic career, but uh, you know, U S winter sports recruits from old athletic pools, especially Bob said recruits from track and field and football. If you, this would be something you're interested in. And I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And I, um, I applied, uh, got accepted. NBC used to have a TV show called the next Olympic hopeful got accepted to that show and then COVID canceled it. And then I just still remember getting that letter in the mail saying they canceled the show. And I was like, this can't be, this can't be it. Like, I still want to, I still want to do this. Right. It's, it's so unique. It's such a powerful uh, platform. And so I, uh, I reached out to the coach and yeah, ever since then it was, it's been a, a long, icy, cold journey. (laughs) (laughs) So with your experience, like experience with all the different like levels of sports and schools and teams and organizations that you've worked with all over your life. Like, tell me about the impact that positive positive leadership has had on you. Yeah. I think going back to when I was just a little kid listening to the the head coach that my dad worked for at the university of Arkansas, his name's coach Houston nut, um, like a second father figure for me. Um, and just the powerful messages that he would, he would tell his players, and since I could remember, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, these same messages would apply th- to me throughout my entire life. Um, and you could see where <clears throat> positive leadership from the very top and having those people in place, it's just a trickle-down effect. And because of those those powerful positive leaders at the top, it was, you know, your organization will have success. And I've been a part of great organizations and I've been a part of not so great organizations. And (laughs) it's, you know, everything to do, everything starts at the top and the president and the standard is set at the very top. And we, you know, coaches like to say that, you know, we want to hold our players accountable to our system and our, our values. Well, it's not just the players, everybody on staff needs to be held to that same standard. That's, the janitors, that's the video people, that's the equipment managers, especially the coaches, to a level that they should be held at even a higher standard than those of the players because it's just a pyramid, right? You build top down. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I, you know, my senior year at Ole Miss, I played for a uh, – my head coach at the time was Matt Luke, who played football at Ole Miss back in the 90s. And he was so passionate about the Rebels um, – and what Ole Miss stood for. And it was, it was intoxicating to play for him because it just, you, he'd walk in a meeting room and it would just rub off on you. And to have a leader with that positive, you know, just outreach and, and persona and to be a part of that, like that's, that's something that you can't, that's something that a spreadsheet or, or film can't do. Right. That's right. That's getting, that's getting players to perform at their best when they know they, they might not think they can, but because the leadership at the top is so encouraging, so positive and so player centric, right? So focused on developing the players more than just athletes, but as people, they can pull that, they can extrapolate that from you, right? That greatness. And so that's, that's something I've seen um, and, and experienced and it's, you know, it's, it doesn't matter the sports. It doesn't matter the sports team or the organization. I think working in, in the business world as well, um, seeing that like po- very positive, effective business leaders, CEOs from the top down. Uh, and if you don't have that, then your team might not perform or they'll be looking for other places to go. So 
you were talking about the coaches and rubbing off on you or, or just sayings they had that just stuck with you. Like, how did they impact you like as an athlete and also the person you are today? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was was how you carry yourself, especially in a crowd and especially around people that that don't know you. I remember Coach Nod always telling his players um, and something I listened to him say since all the way up till I was in high school. And it was, you never know who's watching you. You never know who's looking up to you. So whatever you do, you 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 pick up that extra piece of trash laying on the floor in the locker room. You you say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Right? You you carry yourself a little bit differently because the the president the it, the culture is set that you represent something bigger than yourself, right? And, and it might not be the university or the professional team or the business that you stand for, but it's also your family and the people that have invested in you along the way. You represent them every day, and so how you carry yourself. There might be some kid, you might be walking into the mall or the movie theater and there might be some kid, there will be maybe somebody that knows you or recognize you from, you know, Instagram, social media, whatever it might be. And they say, there's that guy, you know, and it's what, what kind of, what kind of model do you want to be for them? Right. In, in a, in a positive right. light. Right. Um, another one, the, the big, one of the biggest ones for me was, you know, you should treat the janitor the same as the CEO. Right. There, you are not too good for anybody else, right? We all have, we all will live a finite time here on this on this planet, and people will never remember your accolades or how many medals you won, how much money you made. What people remember is how you made them feel, right? And that was something that was taught to me by very positive leaders at the very top. And just anecdotally, right? It's it's something that I've carried. It was taught to me, and I've carried and. I try to emulate every day and, and it's, it sometimes you're not good at it, but you know, every day you try and, and that's, that's what matters the most. No, that's awesome. I mean, you know, that's just so amazing how you've taken all of these great lessons um, and implemented into your, you know, your everyday life, you know, not only, um, you know, out on the field or, or uh, you know, in your bobsled, but also in the locker room or, or at home, you know, you know, even if you're just going to the grocery store, it's, it seems like those life lessons have really stuck with you, you know, from those coaches. Absolutely. So you, you mentioned your, your support group, um, earlier, who is your support group and like, what, what did they provide for you? And I know each person probably provided something different, but please tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I, I think whenever I think about my support group, I think of everybody that's invested in me along my short 28 year long journey in my life um, into where I'm going. And that, that could be anybody from my youth pastor back home in Oxford, Mississippi to a friend's parent who fed me dinner in high school or maybe bought me groceries in college, right? Or obviously my, my mom and dad, uh, my sister, my immediate family, uh, and my dog, especially. I, I definitely count him <laughs> in my support group. Um, but it's, it's those people that have given and sacrificed. It might just be a little thing. It might be a, a big thing for you, for your well-being, and for your success. And when you when you take a step back from the proverbial table of your life, and you know, getting kind of into the everyday, and you're you're working so hard to achieve, you know, whatever it is in life. And if you take a step back and you think about all those people and all those circumstances that have helped put you where you are today, it all of, like you just can't help but to just be so thankful and you don't want to let them down right um you know some mentors of mine are definitely my dad 
um, you know, Coach Nutt, like I talked about before, at a high school teacher um, who was an out, avid outdoorsman, uh, reader um, in Mississippi, and, and he taught me a whole lot about life uh, and just people I met in China along the way. And, um, and a lot of my mentors didn't even come from sports background, which helped me grow professionally and, and help open my mind to other things and other perspectives. And, you know, the world doesn't exist just in sports, right? The world is a very complex and, and, and vast place. And so, um, yeah, that's my support group. It's, that's kind of, a, it's a hard answer because I just count everybody as it. anybody that's helped and invested in, in me along the way. I just can't say thank you enough to them. Um, I wouldn't be where I am today without those people. Now, I mean, that's totally great um, that you have such a great support structure. I mean, uh, even your dog, I'm sure, I'm sure your dog provided like, like uh, emotional support at times, like especially when you were injured or maybe you didn't have a good practice or a good week of practice. Like I'm sure, uh, you know, just, just being around your dog, you know, provide, provided like so much, you know, for you. And, and yep. it's very interesting that you brought that up is because a lot of people don't really associate um, non people that are not directly involved in sports as a support group. And, you know, sometimes people say, Oh yeah, my parents, but you brought up teachers, uh, pastors, people that you were coaching in China or that you were involved with coaching in China and you brought up an animal like, you know, that that's, I mean, that's pretty impressive, you know, just who you bring into your support group and who you truly believe supports you. And, and that's very amazing. Yeah. I think everything in life is balanced, right? Um, this and anything can be, it, you can obsess over anything, right? And then I think once you have that holistic view and that, like you know, there is life outside of sports, right? I could be reading more, I could be outside more, I could be in my off time. I'm an avid hunter and outdoorsman, um, and it's like with those little things and a traveler. So if I didn't have those other things, I don't believe that I would have as much athletic success as I as I say I do now, right? I, I don't think I would be as far along in my athletic career without those things, right? Because, and everybody has it. It's just about finding those different balance points in your life. Now, you brought up such a great support group. You brought up great coaches and great teams and great organizations. How did that enable you to succeed? Like, you know, was it, yeah. uh, you know, just with good practices? Was it, um, you know, you were able to try new things in practices? Uh, you were able to learn in different ways because coaches brought things to you in different ways as opposed to just, oh, you're going to watch me do this or you're going to read or you're going to watch film. Like, they really explained it to you. Like, what were the different positive things that enabled you to be successful? I, uh, gosh, there's so many. Um, I think to begin with what at old miss was you know do what allowed me to be successful was to do the things that other people weren't doing and to do them okay. well so being the first one in the locker room every day uh being the first one and the last one to finish or being the first one to finish a rep and to encourage my teammates while we're doing team conditioning that's it's watching that extra film on Mondays when it's our off day and being in there for hours at a time and just being in front of the coaches and, and letting them know that they can rely upon you, not only to do, to play in a game, right. To start or to, to make a big play, but also to do the little things, right. Like they knew that they could account, they could count on me to get the, the, the right person lined up at the right time. Um, so really it's accountability to, to yourself and the team. 
So I would say that doing, doing the thing, doing the small things right consistently over and over again, day in and day out, day out. Uh, that is really, and that's kind of the nitty gritty to success that a lot of leaders nowadays might say, you know, they might kind of skip over that, but that's what you have to do. Um, and you have to do right. it well. And, and, and there's going to be days that you don't want to do it. You don't want to wake up at 4am to go, to go run. Right. It's just, but it's, it's just part of the culture and it's, it's, it'll allow you to, to get to that point. And I think another thing is understanding, and I know I touched on, on it earlier is a, a lot of the, the, the best coaches that I ever played for made it very inherently clear to me that you are here representing something bigger than yourself. So you take the, you take the ego out of it. And I think the guys that I know who have had the most success professionally in college, you know, in the league and business, they were able to take their ego out of their lives and humbly say like, this is my path. I serve something greater than myself. Right. And then the discipline that comes from that will lead me to my success. And that's something that I preach about all the time. I know my friends are probably my girlfriend probably gets sick of hearing me say it, but <laughs> Usually I, I like to, I like to ask, you know, especially my teammates now and bobsled, it's like, you know, you know, what do you, who are you and why, why do you do what you do? Right. Why are you a bobsledder? Why are you this or that? Like, I want to know what is it that, that you, that is bigger than yourself that you're representing. Right. And I think, and it's, anybody can answer that. And then that really kind of highlights, you know, everyone's motives, right? What, what are they? Why right. do they make the decisions they do? So, well, you've definitely explained, you know, at length why you make the decisions that you do. Uh, what were some of the responses? You know, and it could be in bobsled, or it could be, you know, back when you were playing football mm -hmm. uh, or coaching. Like, what are some of the responses you've gotten over time? Yeah, I think. Well, my response has definitely changed over time. I think when I was playing football and. You know, if, if I was a friend, it probably changed every every year I was playing college football. I think the first year if someone came up to me and said, why do you play college football for the Rebels? I would say, I love college football, right? Like, I just want to play the sport that I love and grew up with with some of my best friends and teammates, and that's it. And then as I got older, it became less about me, right? And it was more about, okay, I'm representing something bigger than myself or I'm a part of something bigger than just me, right? I represent uh, the 10 other people in the field because there's 11 in football and it's, it's not about me. I'm accountable to them. And I've, and over the years, like teammates and friends, I'll ask them that. And, you know, I've gotten every answer probably under the sun that you could, you could probably think of, of, you know, I'm just doing this until, you know, it's time to graduate and then I'm going to go do my thing. And then other times it's, some people are very, very, uh, they have very well thought out answers and those people that can hone in on what the wide is, the wide to what they're doing. Um, those are the guys or girls that are really excelling in my opinion. So you talked about great leadership, great support. Um, but has your leadership style and you as an athlete, always worked well within different organizations and cultures or were there times that maybe you struggled, um, you know, and how did you overcome all that? Yeah, I think definitely there were times where I've struggled, um, you know, being, uh, playing collegiate 
sports and then at a, at a very high level and then going on to do, you know, represent the, the USA and, and, an international sport. I think there have been times where I've maybe butt headed, I've butted heads with, with leadership over maybe just like how things should be done or the rate of speed they should be done and um, learning how to be a little bit more tactful and be a little bit more humble, right. About how to maybe approach mm. a different scenario and learning because, you know, in my mind as a football player, right. Uh, I, you know, I see an obstacle and I want to just start, chipping away at it. And oftentimes it's, you know, other, it's learning how to work with other people that might not have that same perspective. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, it's been a learning and I think it's just the different iterations of life as well. I think as a young man, it's, it's, you're a little bit more gung ho and, uh, you don't want to, you don't want to swallow your ego and, and, but you know, the older you kind of, you move on. And, uh, I think living in China helped a lot with that because it taught me, cultural communications beyond what you know i knew here in the united states working with people from all over the world i learned so many different perspectives and how to communicate how i'm feeling or what i need to what i need to be done what i need to get done or to be done and and so yeah it's a lot of change so earlier you were talking about how you would talk to coaches about uh doing things differently uh or better um were those leadership issues or were they more just like strategic or like practice issues? Yeah, I would say more strategic and practice issues. So like if you're watching film uh, for a game that week and you, you're watching your opponents play the game the week before, and then, you know, I'd be in the film room, just I'd ask a thousand questions. And, and to me, there was no such thing as a dumb question because I would rather ask a question and kind of, you know, maybe be perceived as dumb to begin with, but I want to know the answer before I get out on the field in front of 70,000 people and then try to, you know, not make that mistake. Right. And so I, I want to know. And I think, right. I think, and th which is great because that same mentality has kind of moved on to my professional life of, you know, you have to ask questions and you don't, there is no such thing as a dumb question. Right. Uh, I think it, I think you're foolish if you don't ask it. Right. So so when you go into a locker room um, or out on the track or, or anything, do you walk in thinking that you're the smartest person there or possibly the dumbest person there? I, and then why do you think that way? Yeah, I think a better, a better way to phrase this is I don't want to be the smartest man or person in any room that I walk in. Um, I think that is a way to stagnate your growth and your development as a person and as a leader, really, I want to be able to walk into a room and learn something from everybody in that room. And whether that be at the track, on the football field, you know, in a phone, phone call conversation, in a podcast interview, I think anybody can learn <laughs> something from anybody. And if you walk in the room thinking that you're the smartest, then you're already setting yourself up for failure. Now, when you were at Ole Miss, and you were finishing your football career, maybe you weren't finishing your football career, like what did life after your time at Ole Miss look like or your life after football? Like what were you thinking a number of years ago when you were finishing your final year of football? What was next for you? Yeah, I think that's, this is a, it's a pretty common question. Um, I'd already kind of had the conversation with myself that, you know, like I'm not going to go play in the league. Uh, football playing wise will, 
most likely be done for me. And now it's transitioning out of football life after sport, essentially. And it's a big thing amongst college athletes nowadays and professional athletes. What do you do when your playing time's finished? And for me, I had a couple options um, to be a college football coach like my father to go. I had an opportunity to go work with the athletic director in the athletic department and go on that track of being an AD. Um, and then some other business offers, um, but in my mind, I, I, you know, through a lot of, you know, prayer and, and a lot of mentorship from people that know a lot more than me, especially at that time, um, I had the opportunity to go to China. And I think a lot of it was just pulling the trigger and getting on the plane and just embracing mm -hmm. adversity and embracing unknown. Um, and which it all worked out in the end because I grew more in a year than I did <laughs> And in four and a half, five years of, of being in college. Wow. So, yeah. And I think that's a message now that I, I definitely give to, you know, young athletes or young people, you know, you're trying to start out on their journey and, and what are they going to do after sport? And well, I tell them to embrace adversity like it's an old friend because without adversity, you will never become the person you're meant to be. So, and right. that's, that's kind of, and so after sport, you know, after football, it was, yeah, a lot of people thought I was crazy, but it in the end, it, it worked out. <laughs> so at no time were you like, yes, after I'm done with uh, playing at Ole Miss, I'm going to be on TBSA for bobsled. At no time you were thinking no, that. Not even, not even, it didn't even <laughs> cross my mind. I think what I was thinking of at that time was I'm going to go overseas. And my goal, I was there for 15 months. And when I went over there, I had the goal and the plan of, I'm not going to come home until I've done 15 months in China, traveling, meeting people, which is great because I got linked. I got plugged in with the, uh, the American football community there. And I ended up coaching and working on a project with the NFL in Shanghai and they got to fly my dad out to see me. And so that was like a, that was a highlight. Oh, it was a highlight cool. for me to say like, you know, I'm here, you know, I'm here for a reason. I can't come home yet. Right. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And, if I wouldn't have made that decision and, and if God hadn't directed me to get on that plane, I don't think I would have ever grown as much. I don't believe I'd be where I am today in all honesty. So now you've been talking about a lot of the changes that you've made and the success you've had. Do you think your time, you know, in China or your time, even as an athlete, like, do you feel that you've positively impact impacted like those around you? Or, or do you feel like you, um, you know, were strong enough to impact positively impact others? Like where do you, how did you feel about even, you know, impacting others or did you not even think about I, that? The way I think about it is I, I hope that I'm an impact in some way. Um, not that I want to, not that I'm, I'm looking for it. I just hope that my story and, and what I'm doing and, and the struggles and adversities I've faced can inspire somebody else, uh, you know, way down along, down the line for me to, you know, maybe, maybe take right. that risk, maybe get on that plane, maybe try out for that sport that they never thought they'd end up be doing or, or face that adversity with their chin up high in the air. Um, I, you know, my life is, is had just as much failures as, as successes and, you know, still battling those every day. You know, life is, a. I, I give the metaphor, of, you know, Sisyphus pushing the rock up the mountain. 
right? You know, what do you get at the end? Because there's always just another tribulation to, to battle, right? So um, I, I, I hope I, I'm a positive impact on those around me. Um, I know for sure that there's been so many people that have been positively, that have affected me. And, you know, just watching them, my, some of my teammates now, some of my, you know, coworkers, people that my mentors, um, they've affected me in such a way that, you know, I, every day I want to be better. And I just hope that I've rubbed off in that way to somebody else. So speaking of failure, um, have you in your career, your sports career, whether it's been as an athlete or a coach, have you learned more from your failures or from your successes? A hundred percent failures. And I think a common thing to, for people to say is, you know, fail often and fail quickly. Right. And I think there is some merit to that and there is weight to it because you learn so much from failing that you grow so much more. And that's that adversity piece we talk about. Mm -hmm. It's you, uh, you know, winning is a high, right? It, it's you're there, you did it. And then it's over and you're like, well, you know, what did I learn? Right. But failure is something that it'll, it, it could stick with you and, and it can negatively impact you if, if you don't turn it constructively. Right. So I think failing quickly, right. failing often, um, and, and turning it into a positive thing. Right. So like for Bob's, this is a great analogy. Bob said, if I'm not pushing the times I need to be pushing or, if I'm not placing high in a race, then I think it's, it's going back and looking like, Hey, like owning up to my shortcoming and my failure saying like, you know, my form's bad. I need extra time on the sled. I'm not fast enough. I need more time sprinting and I need more sprint technique coaching. Right. So failing, mm. owning it and then, and positively, you know, just shaping it and moving on. So when there were times that you failed, um, you know, and you were talking about you're basically overcoming adversity and being resilient and all those things. Were there, was there ever a time or times where you just weren't that resilient and you really struggled coming through yeah. like, you know, to, to yeah. move forward. And, and, and what was yeah. that? What yeah, did it look absolutely. Like? I, there's been so many times, um, whether that be, you know, getting passed up for a promotion or a job or, you know, a career advancement or on the playing field, not getting to start one week at Ole Miss or, or not pushing the time that I need to be pushing in bobsled. And I think it, those are all things that, you know, I've faced at different aspects and in, in, in parts of my life. But what I've noticed is they've built on each other. Right. When I, at first, you know, if I wasn't playing, getting enough playing time at Ole Miss and I'd be really frustrated and, and I'd, I would take it personally. Like it's, you know, they, I would start blaming other people, but I needed to, in, I needed to turn it around and, and, and really look at myself, right? I'm accountable for that failure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's things that you can't control, right? Sure. But, you know, it's owning that as well. Owning everything about every decision you make, every outcome that you have, good or bad, owning it and saying, like, what can I do to address it and fix it and move forward? Um, and, and really, I mean, that's it's hard, though. That's a, that's a hard lesson because our egos want to tell us, like, no, like I want to, you know, I want to, it's their fault. It's their fault. They're out to get me. No, it's right. At the end of the day, you're responsible for your own actions and your own outcomes, good or bad. So you becoming more resilient during those uh, incredibly difficult times in sports. Um, was it a lot of self-talk that brought you back up? Uh, was it, you know, 
you know, was it going to a mental health professional? Was it talking with your support group, like your parents or, or some, you know, key teammates, like, like who, who did you go to or, or how did you go inside of yourself? To yeah. I think that? a lot of it was, um, self-reflection, self-talk is big. Um, a lot of prayer. Uh, and then my support groups, like you said, like my friends, my key teammates, um, our core group of friends that, in college that, you know, we all were going through the same thing. And so being able to have that camaraderie while you're going through hard times, while you're suffering, it just builds those bonds and it, and they pick you up and they, and they help you move on. Um, and then obviously my dad being a coach, he was, he was a cornerstone in, in that process. So, um, yeah, it's a, a lot, a mix of all of the above. And I think another one too is, and I, I preach a lot about this, but disconnecting, knowing when, okay, I, I'm doing more harm than good, right? Maybe I need to take a step back from the table. Maybe I need to go, you know, take a few days off from training. Maybe I need to go be in nature. Maybe I just need to think about things in a different way, have a different perspective, right? And then come back refreshed, reloaded, ready to re-engage. And uh, I think that's important. Oh, that's definitely important. So you've talked about this a few times indirectly, but um, as both as an athlete and a leader, um, as a coach, and even you working in office, have you always been the same person? And, and what I mean by that is, are you the same person as a coach? Are you the same person as an athlete? Are you the same person in the office? Are you your authentic self at all times? Like when you're at home or do you have, are you different people in different times? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I would, I like to say I'm the same person every time. I guess it, I, I think most people would agree on, I'm a really positive person. I'm a glass, you know, half full kind of guy. I'm, I'm somebody that likes to attack challenges and, and, and I'm pretty adventurous. Um, so, uh, and I guess you could say diplomatic, um, based off my career, but yeah, I, I think there were times, you know, obviously, you know, with some setbacks or some disagreements, especially in the working environment where, you know, you and leadership just butt heads and it's just, it's hard to, um, it, it's, it's hard to sit, like see the bigger picture. I definitely think that as I've grown more into, you know, what I'm passionate about and, and what I'm working in now, I think when I was younger, just coming out of football, still trying to understand life outside of sports. I think I was really impatient, um, with opportunities and, and, and growth. And I think that I've definitely learned how to be more patient and how to pick the right things to attack, I guess is a better way to put it. So back when you were an athlete, well, you're still an athlete, obviously, <laughs> but, um, you know, you know, whether it's Ole Miss or, or, uh, now with you, Bob, so with team USA, uh, and even other times when you're like in high school or, or even in like youth, you know, you know, learn to swim or youth soccer or something, whatever, whatever programs you did as a young, as a young child, do you think that authenticity, uh, you know, positively or negatively impacts like how a coach coaches? Like, do you think as an athlete, how you receive it, you know, um, if they're there being their authentic selves or if they're just trying to overproduce or, or be a better coach, or they're only focused on winning as opposed to, uh, really just being who they are and reaching the athletes a better oh, 100%. way. 100%. I think some of the best coaches I ever had were authentically themselves, it, whether that be weird or manic or crazy or just hilarious. I think 
those coaches and my dad's one of them because I've seen my dad coach and the coaches that I've had as well in my college and, you know, career athletic careers at any stage of my life. The, my best coaches I ever had were those that were just authentically themselves because they could pull and extrapolate greatness from us and from myself. Like, you know, my linebacker coach, my senior year, crazy, but I would have ran through a brick wall for that dude. Right. And it's, you can't explain it. Numbers on a spreadsheet can't explain it. Vert tests can't explain that, right? Like that, that is, that right. is pure leadership at, at its core, right? Uh, and then on the opposite end of the spectrum, I've had coaches that really only cared about their image or they cared about, you know, all the data sets. They didn't really care about getting to know the players or, or developing a player or an athlete as a person, not only as an athlete. And, you know, you're just, ne those kind of people will never get the same results as a coach that can, can make you want to run through a brick wall, right? Like, it's just, it's, it's different. Right. So, growing up, being a human being, we all have perceptions and biases, right? Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Okay, so, so as an athlete, um, did you... Uh, ever pick up or see or um, or feel that coaches' perceptions and biases uh, like affected your interaction with them or their interaction with you or your teammates? Um, maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't. Not any off the top of my head. I guess I always looked at it as I okay. always looked at it as you know what is. What does your work ethic say about what you're saying about yourself? So essentially is, does your work match what you say or do or talk about yourself, right? And so if they matched, in my experience was that the coaches never treated you differently, right? They would recognize work ethic. They would recognize, you know, tenacity in that, in that aspect. But then they would also recognize if you were lazy, right? If you were just talking in the locker room or mm -hmm. talking wherever and then, you were late to practices. You weren't accountable to your team. I think those were, I would say in those circumstances, yeah, they were biased. They weren't going to play you because the coaches in their eyes, how could you put a guy out on the field on Saturday in front of 80,000 people and you can't even expect them to show up to class on time, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter right. how much talent they have. If they can't rely on you and they can't count on you, then you'll never play, right? And so, I, you know, that's, Right. That's a whole different soapbox for sure, especially being a walk-on and a former <laughs> walk-on. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. So what have you done in the past as an athlete or what have you suggested to athletes when you've been coaching about prioritizing self-care and wellness? Like, you know, not only for yourself, but uh, even for your, like your teammates. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the balance guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I preach and talk a lot about balance and the importance it plays, especially in, you know, a sport like bobsled and, and representing a, a notch up from collegiate level. Like, you know, your team USA, that's, that's pinnacle. And, and I think it's healthy to, to have a balanced life, to have a life outside of sport. And I, the analogy I give is if you don't understand what interests you outside of your sport, then you, you need some real reflecting time because there's no way that you can pour your glass out into something if it's not being filled elsewhere, right? And so it's it's universal, I, even outside of sport, like it's it's with anything in life. 
you know, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? What do you like to read? You know, do you like to play board games? It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, you know, you need those things because that's inherently who you are. And if you're not doing them, then you can't right. ever expect to have success. And even if you do have success in sport, you're just going to get burnt out. And then at the end of it, you're going to say, what have I done? Mm -hmm. Right. So you're a huge proponent of, of being able to take a step back, disconnect. Um, and you know, for a lot of people, you know, exercising and working out is right. the outlet to get a lot of frustration or, or to think through things or, or, or any of those things. But when you are an athlete, uh, what are specifically some of the things that you do to actually come, you know, come down from being upset or super excited about something? Um, um, you know, how do you become resilient? How do you over overcome the adversity uh, that you've talked so much about? Uh, during yeah, session I think here. a good thing that a coach that in college ball playing football at Ole Miss instilled in us was win, lose, or draw, which there's no draws in football, right? So victory or loss on Sunday. So we play on Saturday. Sunday, we watch the film, good or bad, and then you ball it up and you throw it away. It doesn't matter. It do the win doesn't matter. The push time does not matter, right? It's having that. It's having the discipline of self-reflection saying like, okay, we're going to celebrate a win, but we're going back mm -hmm. to work or with a loss. We're going to understand why we lost. All right, now we're going to, we're going to attack and we're going to combat it. Um, and, and so in sport, it's a good mental way to say like, Hey, I did great. I can't let it distract me from doing great again. I got to ball it up and throw it away to, I didn't do so well. I got to get back in the lab. I got to get back in the weight room. I got to study film. I got to do whatever I can to get back up there. Right. But I'm still going to throw that away because I can't let it negatively impact me. Um, so that that's having that self-talk. And like we talked about before, um, it's a good way to personify adversity, right? We will always have an obstacle mm -hmm. in our lives. How can we take that obstacle personify it? And how can we, how can we attack it in a constructive way? Um, but then on the other end of it, physically, I would say, you know, working out and running and, Getting outside is a big thing to get outside, get sunlight, get into nature, you know, go to the ocean, go in the woods, right? Like for me, I love traveling. I love the ocean and it is a way for me to, to turn it off, right? To be outside, be in nature, mm -hmm. still moving my body kinesthetically, but being disconnected in a way that it's healthy and it's rejuvenating. Right. No, that's, I mean, that's such a great answer to that question. So during your time as an athlete at any level, did you ever have, did you ever play on a team that had like just a really bad culture? Yeah. And, and what did yeah, that look like Yeah, there was like definitely a, there were, there was a few times that we, we have been a part of organization or teams or organizations that have had bad cultures. And, you know, uh, one of the, one of those years it resulted in, you know, at Ole Miss, we got, we got a uh, ban from going to postseason bowl games and we got the, we got a, a penalty from the NCAA. And it's like, I remember how negative that that was and the impact it had on us as players. I remember the team meeting uh, whenever they let us all know what was going on. And it was like, man, all this work has been for nothing. And we talk about positive leadership from the top down and the leaders set the example, they set the precedence, like, they set the tone for everybody else. And 
I just remember being a young player at that time and saying, you know what, like our leaders didn't do that. They didn't, they didn't practice what they preached. They weren't held to the same standard that we were being held to. And, and to me that, that hurt, right? Like that's, you know, but it's, it's a good on the opposite end. It's a good learning experience to say, if I'm ever in that situation as a leader, I know what to do and what not to do. I know how to carry myself and I know, how to attack these challenges, right? I know based off these situations with poor management and business, for leaders working for somebody bad or being a part of a not so great organization or team, I know based off what I saw, if I'm ever if I ever am blessed with a chance to be in a leadership position that way, I know how not to act, right? I know how to go and engage those players that might be thinking, man, like I should transfer. You know, I gave everything I had for, for these guys and for what? So they could just, you know, right. right. So that, that, but that's, that's a way it's, it's a good reflection point saying like, and it's with anything, right. I know we've talked about adversity a lot, but it's recognizing the adversity, embracing it, turning it constructive and, and uh, turning it into a positive thing in your future. Right. So what are your plans post Team USA? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I, I, or are you just gonna are you just gonna slide and you know for the no, next fifteen no, years? No, 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 no. I, uh, <laughs> I, I bobsled's great, and bobsled is such a unique sport, and it 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 is a, such a great platform to wear the American flag on your uniform and in, in, in competition. It's it's like uh, it it's like playing it. It's like playing in Alabama, right? It's 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 the it's the peak, right? So, um, I think when I'm done, uh, I love the my career in sport diplomacy, um, becoming a speaker in that in that field, and, and really working on on sports and how we can use sports to build bridges in countries, you know, and in that capacity, I, I think there's a lot of work to be done, and I think sports are a powerful tool to get people to the table. So. Elliot, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today. Seriously. I mean, it's, it's been such a great discussion and I know we could go for hours or days. So, uh, but before we do go, do you have any final statements to make like to any athlete coach, like support staff, high performance directors, like, or even the athlete support structure, whether it's here in the United States or, or anywhere else around the world. Yeah, I would say to everybody, athletes, coaches, administrators, athletic directors, medical staff, equipment staff, you know, you guys all play such an important role in every organization. No role is better than the other. Everybody's pulling in the same direction and understanding that you're all there for a reason. You're not there by coincidence. And you serve something greater than yourself, right? Whether that's your team, what you believe in, your brand, whatever it is, it's not about you. It's about the team. And I think if you, if you have that mindset, you'll always find success in life, whether that be in sports, your career, whatever it is. So yeah. Thank, thanks for having me on the show. Um, it's been, it's been awesome. Yeah. Thank you again. And that's a wrap for this week's episode of the culture and sports podcast. We hope that this episode has started an internal dialogue or even one with your team about the importance of leadership and organizational culture. If you'd like to learn more about culture and sports, the culture and sports podcast or other programs, go to cultureandsports.com 
where there is a wealth of resources, articles, research, podcasts, video shows, webinars, and courses. And don't forget to connect with us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and LinkedIn at Culture and Sports, and on Twitter at Culture and Sport. Thank you for tuning in to the Culture and Sports podcast.